This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. Just fell to rushing, and we're going to be talking about gardening today. That's what we ought to do. Java, how cheap? I mean, that is, I don't want to, I don't want to be offensive. That's about as cheesy white music as you can find anywhere. I mean, well, that is right out of Switzerland. Well, I'll say I've done a few weddings in my in my uh, time as a DJ, and they always want to do it. Hey, chicken dance is still a hit, man. It's I, still a hit. I, I bet you got some variations though. Well, I mean, you know, we have to mix it up, but yeah. that one is, that, I think that's maybe the purest or the most classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, some of my folks are from Switzerland, and, you know, we blink our blue eyes and we do the po- the, the chicken polka. That's just the way we do it. But anyway, glad to have you back, man. You've been under the weather. Yeah, I, I, I was I was down for a little bit. I was really sick. I think the most sick I've ever been. Uh, had me bedridden and stuff. So yeah, I'm I'm happy to be back, man. I I I miss you, Felder. I miss you. I know you miss me because this is a holiday. You came in, the whole place is shut down except for you and me and the boss. You know, you know, it's 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 something when the boss is here. <laughs> Speaking of which, you know, this is uh, I th- you know, we always talk about gardening, all things gardening, but this is a good opportunity to kind of break it up. And uh, because I ran into an old friend of mine from Arkansas, he's known all over the country uh, internationally. He's a he's a fellow with the Royal Horticulture Society, but he's from Little Rock, Arkansas. His name is P. Allen Smith. He does a lot of a lot of uh, TV stuff. Got famous books. I mean, he's one of the the top designers. Really, really popular guy. But he raises chickens. I found out he raises chickens. And so he and I were going to be on a, a a program together in uh, the Master Gardens down in Louisiana. And I took my grandmother's chicken. And Java, you've seen Granny's chicken how many times? A number of times, and she she still looks good. <laughs> yeah, well, she's she's a little red. But anyway, she's an old concrete chicken that my grandmother was given as a uh, as an anniversary present because that's all my grandfather could afford. And by the way, you can't nobody can afford real concrete chickens anymore because they're they're true antiques. Uh, but anyway, I've been hauling this thing around. I've taken took it to all of our, you know, we would take the Failed MPB on the road. road. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, we took Granny's chicken out there. I got Alan who started the, uh, the 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 uh, what's it called the heirloom? No, the Heritage Poultry Conservancy. You know, they're rescuing these old breeds of of, uh, of chickens and, uh, and ducks and and. Uh, uh, um, What's it? Turkey. Turkey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he raised a lot. He's he's recognized worldwide as authority. I got him to put his hands on Granny's chicken and tell me what kind of chicken. We're going to do that a little bit later. But before we get into that, let me remind folks, it is a call-in program. And we're talking about gardening. But I also had a rare opportunity here to snag the boss. 
A brand new executive. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know how long you can continue to say brand new. I don't know, but <laughs> Royal, uh, Royal is it Ailes? Ailes? How you say Ailes? Ailes. I mm-hmm. mean, because you were raised on a poultry farm in in, in part, some parts of the set. You're from Oklahoma. We see mm-hmm. egg. <laughs> egg, egg. We're, we're wonder whether they say egg. I, I, my chicken laid some eggs the other day. Anyway, Tulsa, Oklahoma. You do the executive director of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Right. Welcome. Welcome, thank you, thank you. Appreciate it very much. Yeah, re, re, really from Tulsa. I got an old friend, Russell Studebaker. He passed away a year and a half ago uh, from Tulsa, a garden writer, wrote for the Tulsa right. World, and he raised exotic. I'm gonna call them chickens. They're birds, but all different kinds of chickens. But you had a different experience. You were raised. Well, with- yeah, we were raised on a poultry farm. <clears throat> we started out in 1971. We had seven houses. We raised broilers, which what you would call a fryer yeah. in the store. Yeah, hundred thousand of them every eight weeks. And didn't you say a tornado throw tornado them, threw came them all through, over knocked Nebraska. them all down? <laughs> And so uh, the the chicken company wouldn't the ones that survived wouldn't take them. So Dad uh. was giving them away to all the farmers and pe- everybody who lived around the area would come and just load up what birds we had left uh, that day. A l- l- lot, lot of pot birds out there. That's right. And yeah. then uh, Dad decided to go back, stay in the business, and uh, he rebuilt, and we went into the pullet business, which yeah. is a baby chick till they start to lay at, yeah. at around 19 weeks. Yeah. Did you, did, I mean, did he have farm workers? Did you have to go out and feed and water and all that kind of stuff? No, no. It was all automated. So oh, okay. the only thing we had to do was clean the chicken crud every couple of days. Did you get, have that wonderful opportunity? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've been head, neck deep in that stuff. Chicken crud. That's a first for me. That's a first for me. So, so, so you were raised up to your neck in it, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, you moved on up in the world. But anything, uh, you know, when uh, a lot of people have backyard chickens. They have mm-hmm. yard birds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, I was in Austin, Texas, and we were on a walking tour of backyard chicken coops. Mm-hmm. And there's some fancy, I mean, some of them live better than I do. <laughs> Yeah, well, you can get them online now, and they're really nice. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. We had bir- we had chickens in our backyard before we moved down here. Yeah, in Tulsa, because you're allowed in certain parts of the suburbs, you're allowed to do that. No, no roosters, though, right? No, I got rid of the roosters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, I didn't want the neighbors yeah. complaining. So, yeah. so we, you you were raised not not only on a poultry farm, but also y'all had yard birds. That's right. Did uh, you have to do much to? I mean, what? what nah, do you, you, Dad you, hardly you ever need shelter. You need something to keep the possums and always, raccoons they out. They always well. Here's what we used to do, because when you raise pullets, they're all hens, but every now and again you get roosters. Mm-hmm. So you you would take them out, put them in a special cage, and you got to keep those. The company would let you keep those. So yeah. we kept them for slaughter, or he'd throw them out in the yard because they're the best things against bugs and ticks yeah. and all that. <laughs> not not, not going to be any snails and slugs. If you there's not going to be nothing there. in your yard if you let them roam. Yeah, and so Dad didn't really have to feed them too much. He just let them take care of themselves, and so just put some water out there. But he didn't have a like a fenced in area for the. Oh no, no, nothing in our at our place was fenced in except for the twenty acres that we lived on for the cattle. Outside of that, they just had the barn and they lived, slept in the barn. And one well, in Oklahoma, surely they had chicken hawks out there. Oh sure, but they knew how to the chicken knew to, how to hide from it. Yeah, yeah. They, we didn't lose very many to to that. Now. In Tulsa, I I lost them to the hawks. Yeah, I mean they would come in like stealth and yeah. grab them. 
Well, we have those in Jackson, and a lot, lot of people don't realize we have we have owls. Owls aren't a problem because chickens are are hit. You know, at night they're not wandering around. Right. So uh, when it comes to chickens, I mean, it's one of those kind of things. It's become a garden thing. You know, it's a trendy thing. And you make pets out of them. Yeah, I had a friend in, in uh, Connecticut who had one named Henrietta that lived to be something like fifteen years old, and lived outside. You know, a little. They can take cold. Right. Right. Very well. Very yeah. well. I mean, my wife decided here last year, she goes, who never, who got to see the chicken farm before my mom and dad passed away. Uh-huh. And she said, I'll never come back to this place again because <laughs> of the smell, right? Yeah. Well, to me, it smelled like money, but not to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she said this last year, because I want to put chickens in the backyard. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, really? I spent my whole life trying to run from that. <laughs> so she, we got her eight of them. And well, is that in Tulsa or here? Tulsa. Okay. So we called out the the roosters because mm. you never know what you're going to get when yeah. you go to the yeah. to the to the tractor place and buy your chickens. Got rid of them, and she wait, started. Wait, 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 that is so country. The tractor place <laughs> to buy your chickens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Java. This this is real stuff here, man. I am learning so much this you, morning. You go to the tractor place, and you can get your tomato transplants and some baby chickens. <laughs> and so she started making pets up. She mm. had them where they would fall, come into her lap. Mm. They would climb on her back, on her shoulders, and we had one that just absolutely thought she was one of those parrots that would. Sit on your shoulder all the time. When a Russell Studebaker, who was from Tulsa, he used to put these little mealworms uh-huh. between his lips, and uh, the chickens would pluck him out of his. No. She, she didn't get that far, right? No, we're no, we're not. <laughs> but they would see her when she come out with this, her little shovel. They mm-hmm. knew there she's going to dig for worms, and yeah. they were they were they would follow her around like she was Mama Hen. So basically, uh, you know, other than a, a, a place to stay in bad weather, you know, a chicken coop. Mm-hmm. Put some water out there and occasionally throw some food out. Right. And that's about it. And in the winter, especially in the Midwest, you want to put a little heat out there somehow to keep them warm. But beyond that, you're good to go. Those things are self-contained. I let them roam the yard, and and they're they're like uh, they're like my lettuces. I grow beautiful, pretty, colorful lettuces, and when you're tired of looking at them, you can eat them. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Roy, I appreciate you joining us on this, man. You bet. It's good, good, you know. I, I stop by your office. You know, I'm only here once a week. Come by anytime by. you want. Okay. Well, I notice you're hanging down around here because ain't nobody at the other end on a holiday. Are you <laughs> you a veteran by any chance? No, no, well, not. Well, well, I am, and I appreciate everybody giving us a day off today. And now let's go take a day off. <laughs> anyway, appreciate it. You Thank bet. you so you much, bet. Royal. You bet. Folks, that was Royal Ailes. He's the executive director of Mississippi Public Broadcast, raised on a chicken farm, but Java, he had yard birds. Actually, his wife had yard birds. That's what I say. I am learning so much this morning. I would have never known that if you wouldn't have brought him on the show this morning. Yeah, you know, and the thing, you know, you can have chickens in most places allow chickens. Even Madison allows chickens, but you can't have a rooster because they're the ones that make all the noise. They irritate people. Well, that's kind of an interesting way to start off a gardening program, talking about chickens. But uh, if anybody has any chicken stories to share, you know, bring it. My mother raised all sorts of weird chickens. They had feathers on their feet. They had top knots. They had weird little birds. They used to chase my kids around. Um, and uh, we also have an interview coming up in a, in a few minutes with uh, P. Alice Smith, who laid hands on Granny's anti-concrete chicken and proclaimed her a fine bird. We start off with chickens. Let's get back to a little garden right now. We'll get back to the chickens in just a little bit. But meanwhile, let's slide down to beautiful Fairhope, Alabama. Hey, Rachel, how are you this morning? Hey, Felder. Howdy. 
What's up? Um, so I got two questions for you. Uh, one question is, I have an heirloom Christmas cassia, and uh, it's not blooming right now, and I'm pretty sad about it. Yeah, you know, the Christmas cacti, actually, you know, and this is a, this is a misnomer. This shows up on the Mississippi Gardening Facebook thing all the time. The Christmas cactus, Thanksgiving cactus, Easter cactus. You know, they were they were cacti before we had holidays. Uh, and oh, the one, it's actually, a, it's actually an heirloom Christmas cassia. Cassia. Like a, okay, I don't know. I don't know anything about a Christmas cassia. Tell me about it. Like two different names. I think like the scientific name has recently been changed to like Cinna, but it has it's like a tree with these cute with, leaves on with, it. With yellow like, flowers, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and you know, and when you when you see those growing naturally, they're in a lot drier climate. You know, cassias okay. and, and, and right the Cinna cassia taxonomists always screwing us up on that kind of thing. Uh, but where you <laughs> typically see them, they're in fairly poor soil in dry climates, and it could be. And I'm oh. just, this is just an educated guess because I do know about cassia. I just don't know about Christmas. It's, it's called that, I guess, because it blooms in the late fall, right? Oh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why else could be called that. But in, anyway, it could be we had a lot of plants that have bloomed unusually or not well at all this year because we had a long, wet spring and plants grew really, oh. really lush. And then we had a hot, long, dry spell. And all of a sudden, the lush plants had more top than their roots could take care of during dry spell and just stress them. The first thing a plant under stress is going to do is not flower, whether it's a fig or, 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 or an azalea, whatever. So it could just be because of a really wet spring and a long dry spell that it's not sitting. But, and it could still do it. I don't, I don't know. But anyway, that's an educated guess. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Here, here's something you can do, though. Have you ever heard of switching okra? No. <laughs> this is a this is the thing. Uh, old timers know you take a you know if your okra is not producing well, you take a stick to it and just beat your okra, just beat it, and it <laughs> and it kicks it into bloom. And there's a there's this physiology behind it. Plant physio, you know, when we get upset or scared or something, we get a shot of adrenaline that makes us get up and go. Plants have when they get stressed or damaged, like with a hurricane, for example, uh, that they, they release this hormone called traumatin, which kicks them into blooming. That's the reason we see a lot of spring blooming plants blooming a few weeks after a hurricane. Hurricane beats them up. The plants kick out traumatin, and it throws them into blooming. So you could take some of the twigs on it. Don't break it, but bend some of the twigs almost at the breaking point and let them snap back into place, just enough to sort of stretch them a little bit. And and that release of traumatin, which could kick in flowering. Uh, this is a real thing. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, and, you know, people, didn't, you know, with switching okra, they just know that, that if you bench your okra over it and let it snap back into place, it would, it would bloom better. And then they started taking sticks to it. And they didn't know about traumatin. But anyway, it's a th- give, give that a try. That's incredible. Thank you. Yeah, but your neighbor's going to think um, you're crazy. Your neighbor's are going to talk <laughs> about you. Do, so. <laughs> <laughs> so what else you got? Um, I was just curious if um, I have canna lilies and passion flower, and I was wondering if I should cut them back for the winter or just leave them. Well, you don't have to. You know, I mean, the, the passion flower out in the, out in the wild, nobody cuts it back, and it does fine. Uh, and canna's old country houses and cemeteries, they die on the ground, they come back. You know, they, they look terrible if you don't cut them back. So other than just <laughs> cosmetics, there's no real... There's no real need to, except if you've okay. got if you've had problem with those those caterpillars on the cannas, you know if you cut if you have that cut that down and get rid of it so you don't keep the larvae over the winter. But other than that, it's just a cosmetic oh, okay. thing. Nothing but cosmetics. Okay, 
fantastic. Well, thank you. Okay, so good. Hey, let, let us know if the if the uh, if the the beat in your Casio works. Oh yeah, I can't wait to try it. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> All right, bye. All righty, let's slide uh, to Jackie. She's calling from Terry. Hey, Jackie. Good morning. Hey, I'm from Terry, Mississippi. Yeah, Ashland, yeah. Out there in um, so a couple of weeks ago, the Keep America Beautiful group. Uh, for and gardening group and Byron, they had they gave away a lot of bulbs, uh-huh. and I have a back. I'm gratefully have a sack full of narcissus bulbs, and then I also got some tulip bulbs, which I've never tried. Yeah. So I I want to know when to plant both. Okay, first of all, Narcissa could be planted any time. You know, they're out in okay. people's yards all over Terry right now. They're already actually starting okay. to grow roots. So the sooner you get okay. them in the ground, the better. Tulips, though, okay. they're, they're different. Tulips, with rare exceptions, tulips are going to be one shot here in, in, in Mississippi, certainly in central Mississippi. Right. And uh, here's the thing. Tulips need a, they're the only bulb that really need a, a period of cold before they'll do well. So I don't know how many you've got, but slip them in the refrigerator not the freezer, refrigerator, for four, five, six weeks, and then stick them in the ground. You could plant them on Valentine's Day, and they'll still bloom. So there's not any rush on those. Uh, they've already got their flower bud right, but they're not going to grow well. They're not going to do as well unless you can pre-chill them before you plant them, just the tulips. Okay. Now, the, I have seen pictures in magazines, probably Southern Living, Gardening, whatever, people just taking those narcissus bulbs and just planting them kind of, Willy-nilly out in their yard. Does that work? Well, you know, it, it depends. Yeah, it, it does, but it depends on the variety. You know, there's lots and lots of different daffodils. My great-grandmother yeah. had over 300 different kinds of daffodils in rows. I was raised, you know, in, 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 in that setting. And here it is all these decades later. There's only about two dozen are still blooming. Uh, most of the daffodils that you buy, most of the narcissus you buy, are not going to do great here more than one or two or maybe three years. Then they gradually peter out, just turn into groups of leaves. There are some that do what we call naturalize. They not only bloom every year, but they spread and they multiply. Those are the ones you see around old home sites. And, uh, and I've got a names of those. If you want to do that sometime, you know, shoot me an email. I've got a list of the kind of uh, daffodils that will spread and multiply all the way across the yard. And then when it comes time to mow the grass in the spring, just just mow, mow everything down. They'll come back in the winter and bloom in the spring. Then you have just a regular lawn all summer long. So we do have some good ones that do that. But uh, th- without knowing what varieties you've got, uh, it's going to be real unpredictable. Okay, sure. Well, thank you. And what is your email? Uh, go to my blog, felderrushing.blog, and it says has things that email me. Okay, but I, I got Thanks a good got, I got a good list of not, and not only that, that, but there's some other bulbs on that list too that you put in there with them that bloom really really well low that spread and all uh, that that just make like a little meadow. But when it comes time to mow your grass in the summer, just mow it all down. You got nothing but grass the rest of the year. Thank you for your time. Okay, good luck on it. Thanks. Okay, who we need to go to next, Java? We got I got choices here. Yeah, let's talk with uh, Lena. Uh, from the Gulf Coast. Okay, all the way to the Gulf Coast. Hey, Lena, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Trying to be nice sounding here. I don't guess Lena's there. She must have. She must have gone to get some coffee or something like that. So now, yeah, I'm not sure. We'll we'll put Lena on hold and see if we can get her back. But let's go to um, Jackson. Uh, oh, yeah, let's go to Jackson and talk, talk to with Hibbit. 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 Good morning, <laughs> Hibbit. How are you, sir? Hey, Felder. How are you? So far, so good. What you got going on? You staying busy these days? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I had a couple of I couldn't help but think about when you're talking about the chickens. Can you use the chicken poop for fertilizer? Absolutely, absolutely. Any kind of manure is fine. Chicken manure is a little bit hotter, a little bit stronger than, than cow manure, but it works fine. Well, that's that's good. The other qu- the question I had was I followed your advice about uh, fall tomatoes, and I've got a bunch of fall tomatoes. They're all green, but I think uh, with the frost coming, I guess I'm going to have to pick them. Will they turn? Or will they ripen, or is it? Yeah, uh, we're just going to have green potato, tomatoes. Well, there's nothing wrong with green tomatoes. Uh, there's plenty of recipes for for that. But if they start showing any color at all, just the slightest hint of pink, you know, those will go ahead and ripen. If you pull them and bring them indoors and just keep them, you know, what a lot of people do is they put them in a box and they layer them in newspaper where they're not touching each other and they just check them every few days. Uh, but anyway, the the if, once they're showing some pink color, they'll go ahead and ripen and 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 all that. Well. Uh, and so that I, I do. Otherwise, it just could be a matter of learning how to make green tomato chutney. There you go, or fried green tomatoes. There you go. There you go. All right. All right. Good, good to hear from you. All righty. Now we're going to go over to Lake Village, Arkansas, and talk with Brett. Brett, I can't tell you how many times I've been pulled over going through the, through your town. Thanks a lot. <laughs> you, you, I'm not the one doing it. You know <laughs> what's going on? I mean, it, Java. That's right across the the Mississippi River from Greenville, and it's four lane. But they're waiting on you. I'm just letting you know. So, what, what's up, Brett? Good morning. Good morning to you. I had called here a while back about I had a uh, avocado tree that finally sprouted for me. Yeah. And you said to put it in a bigger pot, and I done that. The stem is still green, but the leaves are turning brown. And I was wondering, should I clip the brown or just let the leaves die off? Yeah, well, I, I'm, see what I, happens. I'm curious. First of all, when did you repot it? Is it did it happen soon after you repotted it? Uh, no, it it took a little bit after it repotted. Yeah, well, the reason I'm saying because it, it does as long as it, if the leaves turn brown and stick on it, that's not a good sign. If they turn brown and shed, that's just stress. That's from for being repotted. But in your case, yeah, go ahead and cut it back. You know, you're gonna have to keep it cut back anyway because in the next week or two, you have to bring it indoors. And so if you cut it back. What that does is it takes immediate stress off the plant, and it stimulates new growth. You know, a lot of people notice if you just leave a shrub alone, it'll just sit there. But if you prune it, it puts out new growth. It's because it, of, of hormones that kick it into growing. So, so go ahead and cut it back, get ready to bring it in. And the new leaves that come on, they'll be better adapted for indoor. If you don't, when you, when you bring a plant from outdoors indoors in the fall, they drop most of those leaves anyway. So just go ahead and prune it back. So should I prune it from the... The brown part or the whole leaf? Oh no no! Did you just cut the uh, whole whole stems back? You know, just I mean, you the cut whole the whole stem. Okay. Yeah. How, how big is this plant? Well, it's it's a small. It's not even probably five inches tall. Oh no 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 no! You no. know, not counting yeah, yeah, the yeah. roots. No. Don't 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 do anything to that. Just just you know, just keep it in a sunny window. Try not to keep it too wet. I would. You know, if you want to cut some brown stuff off, that's fine. But that's just a little bitty thing. Uh, do what yeah. it takes. Encourage it to put on some healthy new growth. You know, little little water. Don't keep it wet. A little bit of fertilizer. We don't want to push plants too much going into the winter. So just a little f- liquid fertilizer, maybe half strength, and uh, don't keep it wet. And the new growth should be fine. Is he too little to switch? 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I could stop it with my tape banger a couple times. <laughs> yeah, you know, as long as nobody's looking, go for it. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate and you were it. talking about coming over the river. It is really low. I know. I, I They've been finding cars and all kinds of things yeah. in that river. Yeah, I crossed the river uh, out from Vicksburg a couple of three weeks ago, and it was really, really rough. But anyway, appreciate your call, man. Uh, do we have Lena again? Le- I believe we do. Lena, you with us? Yes, sir. Good morning. How are you? Fine. Um I'm trying to establish a, yard, a lawn in my backyard. Uh-huh. I have um, magnolia tree, big magnolia trees, mm-hmm. and some, a couple other trees. So it's got uh, part sun and part shade. Right. Um, I was thinking about scattering some ryegrass now, and because it's never really, I've been here 20 years and I've never had a lawn back there. Yeah, not only the trees, you're not. It just ain't gonna work on the Gulf Coast. If you put solid sod out and you got at least 50 percent sun, you got a chance. But the general rule of thumb, this is from Mississippi State, it's from LSU, it's from Auburn. All the people have been working this for a long, long time. If you don't have at least 50 percent sun, you're out of the grass business. You can get it. Okay. You can you can keep it alive in the shade, but trying to get it started again. It doesn't get enough energy to grow roots quick enough. See, so you know, it can hang in there in the shade. But what I would do, uh, and this is it's not this not answering your question, but it's, it's just a suggestion: is where the grass grows and it starts to peter out, make a little ditch there. When and after it rains, it's not you know, dig a little ditch about oh three or four inches deep and shovel wide. Throw the dirt towards your trees, and then that way you have a distinct line. Here's where the grass stops. And then on the other side, just break your leaves and blow leaves and plant you some ferns. You know, in other words, have a here's the lawn and here's not lawn distinct it's line. Never, it's, it's never had lawn. It's never had. Oh, you don't have always, you don't have any grass in no, your backyard never, at all. Right. No, no. I've had uh, uh, overgrown uh, sort of trees yeah. growing if you and don't, different things. If if you don't you don't have uh, sunshine, you don't have any little spot where you can have a little throw rug of grass. I, I think so, but uh, ryegrass won't do at R- all. Ryegrass will do okay if it gets sunshine in the winter. You know, if it's it not going to do well up on the north side of your house because there's no sun. You know, the sun's real low in the sky in the winter time, and uh, uh, on okay. the on the north side of anything, there's no sun in the winter. So, and ryegrass got to have sun. But if it's trees that drop their leaves, you know, oaks and things like that. Oh, it's magnolia trees and those giant leaves. You know that it, it, ryegrass gra- grass is a full sun plant. You know, and it just oh, okay. it, it needs sunshine. Okay, I'll say I'll say that money because yeah. yeah. it's talking about fifty dollars for a sack of seeds. No, it's just you know if you don't have sunshine, not going to work. But here's something you can try okay. to do: is you you know anybody's got any mondo grass, that little dwarf monkey grass? Um, uh, not really, but I could get some. You know, you Especially take the yeah, plugs, like logs of it. Yeah, just but but don't don't go with dwarf mondo grass. Go with my, regular mondo grass and just. Sprig a little bit here and there. Just stick a few little sprigs here and there, okay. and they will spread and grow in a hundred percent shade. And you can mow it just like grass. But go with the oh, regular. It's, it's called mondo grass. There's a dwarf mondo grass, but that's not what you want. You want the regular, old fashioned. They call it little monkey grass or dwarf monkey grass, but mondo grass, and it'll spread. Their lawns all over the place are one hundred percent mondo grass, hundred percent shade, Great. and you mow it. Great, wonderful. Thank Me, you. Meanwhile, put your bench out there in an urn or statue, something to look at out there. Just something to catch your eye so you don't see just flat, 
and trees. Put you something. Well, it's my poor dog. When I take him for a walk, he rolls in other people's grass. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, put put you a bench or some kind of little hard feet, a little art, something to, to to catch your eye out there. And like putting on a brooch, you know, on a, on a dress. Okay. Thank you so kindly. Enjoy your program. Well, we appreciate your call. Thank you so much, Lena. Thank you. Bye. Now, Java, we got us a really cheesy tune coming up. We do. You teed up this show with a certain theme, and you weren't playing. <laughs> and, we, and we could do a P. Allen Smith interview in the in, in the next half hour. But let me mention this. I was at my pub the other night, right? And there's a guy who listens to us so faithfully, listens live on Friday, and he listens to the podcast, the rebroadcast on Saturdays. You know, by the way, you can, folks, you can get it at mpbonline.org. And you can get the podcast anytime. Anyway, his name is Keith. And we're going to leave it at that. Well, he helped me come up with a new term. He was back in his pickup truck in. And you've heard of the word crepe myrtle when people booger up the crepe myrtle trees. Yes, sir. Well, he backed over crepe myrtle. And I'm calling it scrape myrtle. Scrape murder because he <laughs> scraped it up like you would not believe. That a big old pickup truck. He just he he just scraped the whole side of it. So Keith will be forever known as the guy who helped coin the phrase "scrape murder." We'll be right back. More right after this. Welcome back. Horticulture's Phil Rush. We just had a little fun with yard birds today. And uh, Java, you know, we got the we got the boss man on here, you know, Royal Ailes. He's the executive director. And I didn't want to stereotype him because he's from Oklahoma. <laughs> now that I, was truly funny because it we happened were, so organically. Yeah, I, I, I said, I'm not trying to trying to to uh to pigeonhole you here, pardon the pun, but I said, You're from Oklahoma. You ever have any chickens? And, and he and he said <laughs> A whole farm of chickens, like not even one or two, like a hundred thousand, whatever the number he said. Yeah, well, you know, and we think of the you know prairie birds and all like that. But there's a, a an old friend of mine named P. Allen Smith. He's really well known. P. Allen is one of the top designers in the country. He, he studied at at Manchester, England. He's you know. Uh, uh, 
Royal Horticulture Society, American, all, all these credentials, uh, fantastic books, and he's from Little Rock. Well, he also started this thing called the the uh, Heirloom Poultry uh, Conservancy. And he and I were talking some years ago, and he said that he had somebody from New York City down. Now, we're talking about Little Rock, Arkansas. And Alan is he's sophisticated, he's a big, good-looking man, sophisticated. But he said that while they're down there, uh, they were interviewing about his chickens, right? And some of the chickens started chasing this photographer from New York City. I'm saying, you know, this guy's going to go back to New York saying he got chased, chased around by a chicken. in Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I managed to snag Alan. He and I were, were lecturing last week. And here's a little short interview. It, there's just a couple of minutes of me and, and an old friend, Alan Smith, talking about my grandmother's antique concrete chicken. Okay, I've got P. Allen Smith here, and he's trying to tell me what kind of chicken Granny's chicken is here. Now, what, what, what you said something about it, she got a broad, not a broad back, what? Well, you know, Felder, I'm looking at her, and she's quite a beautiful vintage piece. And um, although she's well-worn, I can tell she had a very tall single comb. It's worn off. Worn off. It's worn off now. At first, I thought, well, that's a rose comb. I thought, well, maybe she's a Wyandotte. And then I look close, more closely at her feather pattern, uh, the angle of her tail. I think she is a leghorn, as in fog horn, horn. leghorn. Yep. Boy, I, I say, say, boy, I say, I, I, say, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> I say, boy, you with the horn rim glasses, yeah, come right. here. And uh, but she's beautiful. And my grandmother Smith kept a flock of Plymouth Rocks and a flock of leghorns, okay. uh, and they are extraordinary layers. The leghorns are an Italian breed, a Mediterranean breed. And they've been popular in the United States for their egg production for, you know, 150 years. Are, are they tasty also or just layers? Well, you know, the, they were really bred for their egg production. They're a light breed, so you can see she's not got a big heavy breast. She's a, a smallish bird, but a, a prolific layer of the leghorns. Now, if it was a Plymouth Rock, that's why Grandmother Smith, she had leghorns for eggs, yep. and she had Plymouth Rocks for oh, the noodle pot. I, I got the noodle pot. <laughs> okay, so I've got Piala, and you are a Heritage Chicken Authority, and you have blessed Granny's Chicken as oh, being a, a, a leghorn. Well, I don't know how much I've blessed, but we do. I am the founder of the Heritage Poultry Conservancy, where we have been dedicated to raising awareness about these great old breeds of American poultry. If you come to Moss Mountain Farm, and you'll see our poultry palace, where we have over 25 breeds of heritage chickens from all over the world. I'd love to bring this chicken and have it photographed with your chickens. You need to because uh, we had the Princess Georgiana Corsini from Italy, and she (laughs) had a picture made in front holding one of our light Brahmas, which is a chicken from Tibet. Okay, now in your presentation, you showed that you actually have a chicken sculpture in your vegetable garden, so it's not just a trashy Mississippi thing. No, it's not just a trashy Mississippi (laughs) thing. I think it's a chic thing. Thank you so much, Alan. Appreciate it, man. Thanks (laughs) a lot. Always a pleasure, Felder. All righty, all righty. P. Alan Smith, he said, my granny's chicken is a chic thing. And the poultry palace. I when I heard the the the, uh, the interview beforehand, I didn't I didn't catch the poultry palace. He's got a a, a fantastic uh, home and garden outside of Little Rock, and people go there all the time for tours. Busloads of people go there for tours and for dinners and things like that. And and his uh, his chicken palace where he keeps these these heritage chickens bigger than my cabin, Be- better than what I live in. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to, you know, because we've hauled that old concrete chicken around everywhere. 
And now the, the top guy has laid hands on her. Laid hands on a laying chicken. Oh, phew. Oh. And then don't think y'all you, you don't think you guys were funny with the foghorn leghorn. No, I no, say, no. I say, <laughs> I say, and he talked about the raising for the noodle pot. But uh, anyway, that's that's been kind of fun, and we got another little cheesy bumper thing coming up a little bit. But meanwhile, what we're here for is to talk with folks about gardening, and we're going to start out right now up in the Delta in Clarksdale. Talk with David. Hey, David, thanks for calling. Oh, good morning. Uh, pleasure to talk to you. Appreciate your show. Sure. Um, I've got a piece of property up here that I, instead of putting a fence up, I want to put a, a, a privacy hedge. And it's probably about 30 yards long. Yeah. And uh, I don't know too much about it. I kind of just looked on the Internet and it looked. I saw something American Holly that sounded like it would be appropriate um, I don't know any alternatives, but um, it was also sort of expensive. I think they're wanting $50 for each, like, uh, You don't need to do that. For, first of all, are, are you in Clarksdale or are you near Clarksdale? No, I'm in Clarksdale. Okay, so in Clarksdale. Uh, you know, and I, 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 you don't sound like from the Delta. I'm not trying to peg you here. <laughs> but you don't sound like you're the Delta. But you're from a little no, small. No, I'm from- Fairly new to the Delta. Okay. Yeah, about a well, year and a half here. well, here's the thing. I'm from the Delta. I'm, I'm you know, born and raised there. And your neighbor's going to talk about you no matter what you do. So just, just understand that. And that's not a bad thing in the South. They're just concerned that you're going to do something weird. What I would do is I would go with stuff that's, that's, that's fairly mainstream. The American hollies are great plants, but you could put one of those just every, you know, every 15 or 20 yards as a little accent and then have something completely different in between. You know, use instead of going with something that's a solid hedge, uh, if you go with solid, you're going to ask for something to happen. The third from the end is always going to die or it's going to get bigger than the rest. So think of a mixed hedge with, you know, the American hollies are pretty. They're native. Uh, and just, you know, have one every now and then and let it grow without ever being pruned into a small tree. But in between, let's go with uh, some other more mainstream shrubs. We've got a few natives. Uh, we got the, the native Yopon holly. Uh, but probably the easiest thing, the least expensive to get it going right off the bat is what they call wax. Wax ligustrum. Wax okay. ligustrum. It's a common plant. It's all over Clarksdale. It grows well. It doesn't get too big. It'll get, oh, 10, 12 feet tall if you let it, you know, but it'll get up to a head size real quick and just sort of shut down right there. And they're, they're good. They're evergreen. They got nice flowers in the spring and they're inexpensive. But, um, you know, so something like wax ligustrum with an occasional holly, you know. And there's a few other plants that do well, too. There's a, a native plant all across the Delta that's called uh, cherry laurel. Cherry laurel is a really good, dense, evergreen native plant that grows real, real. You can prune it if you want to, or you can just let it get into a little dense, small tree. But think about mixing stuff up rather than all one thing, which is asking for trouble. No, I understand. But just so you know, uh, this is a lot. Actually, my neighbors are really appreciative that I've uh, cleaned up this uh, lot that's next to the, the home I own. And so, you're thinking too local. The whole town talking about you because they're not. You, you know, they know you're not from around here. <laughs> and, you, and you know you can also put a bottle tree out there someplace. Bottle trees do fine in Clarkstown. Here, here's the deal though. Whatever you go with, and I've I've got a list of some pretty good dependable th- uh, plants. If you want to shoot me, you know, don't need to go on, online. We got good resources here in the Delta. You know, the folks at is it still called Dells the the Garden Center downtown, Miss Dells. 
I haven't been there, and I haven't seen that advertised. I don't know. Uh, that, it's, 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 on, it's on the main, main street right downtown, uh, right across from okay. used to be Mugundy's. Anyway, that's, that's, your, that's your go-to garden center, and get them okay. to get stuff for you. They can get plants for you through their normal channels rather than having to go to Memphis or something like that. So, you know, that's a, it's, a re, it's a rare, really good local place. A lot of, a lot of places yeah. don't have uh, anyway, here's the thing. If oh. you want if you want to get a hedge going, the key to good, fast, dense growth is roots. And so when you plant these things, if you plant them too close together, it'll look good for two or three years. It'll get too crowded and get diseased. But dig wide holes, maybe even till up the entire length of it, a good three, maybe four feet wide, like you're going to plant some stuff. And in other words, the the wider the holes, the better. And then when you pull plants out of the pot, David, it's really important here in the south to loosen up the pot. And use your fingers, loosen up the potting soil, loosen the roots up, and then plant like that. Don't just pull it out of the pot, stick it in the ground, or five years from now they can stop, start popping out with root rot. So yeah. what, good spacing, wide holes, maybe till up the whole area, and then loosen up the roots when you plant. And, then, and mix, mix stuff up. You know, I'm trying to keep it. Yeah, simple. no, that's yeah. I, I see. I, I appreciate the aesthetics of that. Yes. Yeah. So you anyway, know, I'll be glad to help you. You know, go to my blog, fellowrushing dot blog. It got a little button that says email me, and we can take it from there. I speak to. Matter of fact, I, I lecture in Clarksdale a lot. I'm. I think that I'm doing a thing down at the uh, uh, there on the main street during the blues festival next April. Oh, that'd be wonderful. Um, I know people speak highly of you. I've been here long enough to hear that, so I know people will really appreciate appreciate. Well, they also uh, they also they also know I'm from the Delta. My mother's been getting gone all these years now, but and Java's heard me say this. I swear she's standing behind me. She can smack me on the back of the head if I don't straighten up. So I'm I, everything <laughs> I say. I think what would Mama say? Okay, well, you gave me a lot of really good information. That's why I came here, and you didn't disappoint, so I okay. appreciate it. And, uh, wide, wide holes, I'll be in touch. different plants, wide hole, loosen the roots, and hold okay. your hold your head up. Yeah, and what about do, you, to do this? I've been talking. Should I, I should like start. I figured in early spring, right? Not no, now. actually, fall is the best time. If you put, if you put stuff oh. out in the fall of the winter, then the dirt has a chance to settle down around, and the plants will be established. You won't have to water as much next year. Uh, fall, oh. fall, fall, and early winter are ideal if you can get them. And like I say, go down to Dells, tell them, tell them Feller said, and that whatever you want, they can get for you. That it's a rare, you know. I can't say this in Marigold or or over in you know. Lila. You got to have a place that's got a locally owned garden center, and they're good folks. Oh well, that's good. That's really great for that tip, and I'm sure they appreciate it too. So I'm going to go there. All right, hey, I got to ask you this: Where are you from? Uh, well, it sounds like you could already. Uh, anyway, I'm from California. Yeah, woo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, I, I do a lot of work. I lived in San Diego for a while, so I, I, I good bit of West Coast, but a whole different ball game. This ain't Mediterranean climate like you're used to. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, that's a lot different. Things grow so fast; it's incredible. I was away for just a few weeks and. Uh, it's, it's amazing how quickly uh, yeah. things spring up, even through the brick courtyard. Well, anytime. <laughs> I, I, sp- I speak California and I speak Delta, so we can do some interpretation if we need to. Yeah. All right, okay. man. Okay. Well, thank you. Appreciate okay. it. All righty. Let's lie. That was a long conversation. But I was packed full of uh, little nuggets because you, you told, uh, you know, a newcomer. That's how yeah. I, I, I kind of looked at it like that. Like you yeah. was kind of explaining to him. 
And also, there's a lot of old timers they listen to and they're thinking he shouldn't have said that. <laughs> now that's he the, said, <laughs> you're giving the secrets away. <laughs> that's right. You know, now, but the California guy came here. I wasn't going in California talking like this. He's he, he's here now. Let's go down to Mobile, Alabama. Talk with Dan. Good morning, sir. Dan, how Good are you? Morning. Hey. Good morning. I'm fine. Thank you. Thanks sure. for taking my call. What's up? I've got a couple of questions. Um, one is about citrus trees. They have Satsuma and Kumquat. Mm-hmm. They're just been planted a couple of years. Uh, they're four to five feet tall and get ready to pick the fruit off of them. And just wondering what it should do to uh, prepare them for winter in terms of pruning or fertilizing. You know, I, would, I wouldn't fertilize anything until spring. Daffodils, things that come up in the fall and grow and bloom through the wintertime, they need to be fertilized in the fall. But in general, we want to fertilize plants at the close to the beginning of their growing season. So I'd wait till late winter, spring, March or April before I started fertilizing regular yard stuff. Uh, as far as preparing those for the winter, they're 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 pretty hardy in you know down in the Mobile area, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. But it's always a good idea to thin out some of the clutter. You want to have a trunk and three or four or maybe five main limbs. And right now the trees aren't big enough, but you can tell what's going to be the main limbs down the road. So thin out all but but three or four or five really good, well-spaced main limbs. And then when you're done with that, any of the twigs and branches are growing inward or cluttered or close to each other. Just thin some of those out. So you end up with sort of like you're holding your hand up to the sky and you got a, a ball in it. In your hand, then you pull the ball out, and your fingers are still shaped like that. So, cut, you know, thin thin out the main limbs, and then thin out the branches and twigs that are pointing inward, and then you're done with it. Okay. Thanks. Oh, oh one, one other tip: don't leave stubs. Whatever you cut off, cut it right where it started growing. Don't leave any kind of stubs, or they'll rot. Okay. All right. Uh, and the second question is: uh, the yard I have has got quite a few mature trees. Mm-hmm. And it slopes down to a bayou off the Dog River. And I, I assume over the years, trees that have been previously thinned out or cut the, and the roots had rotted out, there's a lot of dips and hollows. Yeah. Uh, and at the top of the slope, the ground's very hard, compacted, and also has a lot of roots coming up close to the surface. Right. And I was thinking of maybe trying to even, even the whole yard out somewhat by bringing in uh, a top dressing dirt, and I've read some things. Maybe that that'll uh, lead to yeah. root rot. Yeah, here, here's here's my take on it. the roots are shallow, partly because some of the water the the soil is washed away, but also because in a heavy uh, a hard soil, roots can't breathe down deep, so they stay shallow because that's where they can grow. If you cover them up, that can cause problems. Uh, I would use real dirt, not potting soil type stuff, but real dirt to fill in the low areas here and there. But I wouldn't cover the whole area with dirt. And, uh, you know, down the road, you're going to need to start planting some ground covers like mondo grass or liriope or ferns or something like that that will hold the soil. But I, I, would, I wouldn't cover the whole area up. Just fill in the low areas and then start thinking about ground covers and then let the leaves fall naturally. Okay, great. Uh, so I don't fertilize the, the yard. You ought to. You ought to. Every three or four or five years, y'all throw some fertilizer out there because uh, turf grasses, they're not from here. They're from Asia. They don't they don't grow naturally here. So a little fertilizer injected into the system every three or four years or so and let it recycle through the clippings in the spring, okay, yeah. in the so, spring. So there's a lot of leaves, and uh, I just mulch it with the lawnmower. That's, perf- that's perfect. But you need to inject some nutrients into the system every now and then. Okay, great. All, All right, right man. Appreciate your call.
okay, we're starting to run out of time. We got to talk. We we get to talk to Mikey, and I hope we get time to talk to Wayne. But Mikey, what's up? I'll try to be quick so you can talk to William. Yeah, we're, we're almost out of time here. What's what's up, lady? Okay, okay. Platycodon, the Chinese medicine plant. Yep. Um, uh, any particular advice on that? Can I just flip it off and stick it in the dirt, or can I? Do I have to put it in water first, or what? I, I, I've, um, I've, I've, de- I've never tried to root it. Don't know. Don't know. Okay. Um, uh, second, um, the buds of camellias that have just been the, the not the the tea camellias, but they are the camellia camellias that we've been yeah, growing right, here for right, a long right. time. Can I can I make tea out of those? That's non toxic. No, the tea won't be toxic. Won't be any good. All the tea in China is made from from uh, camellia sinensis, from a particular type of camellia, okay, particular okay. type. And thank you, sir. And uh, well, the, oh, if I if I can, um, Chinese evergreen um, dig the little ones and the hollies. Dig the small ones yep. and pot them up is better than trying to start from clippings. Yep. Am I right? Yep, 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 yep. But uh, anyway, good and good luck. You know your balloon flower. Good luck on rooting that. It should root okay, but I just I've never done it myself. Anyway, we got a scoot. Thank you, Mikey. Appreciate your call. <sighs> I don't think we have time to talk to Wayne from. D-Lo. I don't think we have time to talk to Wayne, Wayne from D-Lo. Sorry about that. We we I, I whooped it up too much with the guy from California. You know, and uh, we were, were were blessed to have Royal, our, our our boss man, come in and talk about chickens. But we're going to be back same time, same place next week. So if you want to give us a call, please do. We're going to be back same time, same place like we do every week. Happy Veterans Day. I'm a veteran. I appreciate my son's a veteran. My dad's a veteran. My son is actually the 12th generation rushing to serve in American military service. First two generations were British. British. But appreciate all of the Americans. Uh, appreciate your service. And uh, y'all have a safe holiday. Uh, Horticulture's fell to rushing. My awesome producer, Java Chapman, back in the saddle again. We're going to be kicking around ideas every Friday, rebroadcast some Saturday. Go to mpbonline.org, download the podcast. It's one of the top list uh, podcasts uh, we've got. And uh, have a chance. Take a kid to a garden center. Go to a farmer's market. Do whatever it takes. Get a sack full of bulbs and show kids how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week. And Keith, thanks for that straight murder thing. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.